0: Good morning, everybody! Good morning. Woo! Welcome to Embrace, everybody. If you want to find yourself somewhere to hang out, sit down. We're going to stand up soon, so I do not really want to say sit down, but I did. Um, I'm excited to worship with you this morning. My name is Chris. We've got some friends in from out of the country and out of the state to hang out with us this morning, we're excited to see them this morning. Uh, welcome to our friends that are joining us online. And uh, Tanya's in the back moderating the online friends. Hello, online friends! So excited to worship with you this morning. Will you stand with us as you're able? We're gonna we're gonna start this morning with a, a modern hymn because we are the people of the risen King. Amen. I'm jealous.
1: Yeah, I love
0: pray with me? God, your love is big. Your love is strong. Your love is more powerful than any love that we can know. And we praise you this morning for your love. God, we praise you for the way that you love us even when we fail you, God. That you love us even when we turn our backs away from you, God. That you love us when we refuse to love our enemies, and we we choose not to love ourselves, God. But you love us still. So God, teach us more about your love, God. This unfathomable love, this perfect love, God. This strong and powerful love that you have for us. God, we love you even when we don't show it, and even when we don't understand what it looks like to love you, God. Deep, somewhere inside of us, that love for you still remains. That love exists because you first loved us, God. So we praise you this morning, God. We love you this morning, God. In the name of Jesus, with the power of the Spirit, that
2: God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is John Gallagher, and I am the lead pastor here at the church, and I just want to say welcome to each and every one of you that are here today. Um, We got a a wonderful and exciting morning planned, and I'm so excited about all the different things that we've got left to do together. I want to let you know that if you're visiting this morning, then I'm just so grateful to have you here. I hope you feel right at home. Let us know if you need anything, have any questions, anything like that. Um, you know, we'd be happy to to make uh, your time here as, as great as it possibly can. One thing we do each week is that we just take a little bit of time to share with one another. And we share um, our gratitude and we also share our lament. And I think this morning I, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude. I have so much to be grateful for. I have some good friends here that I haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, We have just great things happening in in my life, and my family, and and I have a lot to be grateful for. But on the other hand, there is also a lot to lament as well. Um, It seems like every day I wake up just kind of dreading looking at the news because I'm wondering what new catastrophe has has fallen upon us. And waking up this morning to see what happened in Buffalo with this racially motivated act of just awful violence is just really heartbreaking and devastating and so we lament together as a church uh, these kinds of things Um, i was just reading that we've already had 198 mass shootings this year um, and we're not even halfway uh, through the year yet in america and so um, we lament um, and we cry out to god to show up and meet us in our times of grief and we particularly want to lift up uh, the black community in buffalo buffalo and across um, our nation as they are definitely grieving this targeted act of violence against them in Buffalo. Um, I want you all to just take a moment to share. You all may have some lament on your heart and something that you're grieving or dealing with today. And if you want to share that with one another, that would be great. I'd love to hear online, whatever you all are grateful for and what you're lamenting as well. So why don't we just take a moment, uh, turn to just a few people around you. Um, If you're new and maybe you're an introvert, I'm sorry if this is awkward, but this is a good way to maybe get to know a couple of people Um, You know, sometimes we just got to push ourselves a little bit, Um, but turn to maybe three or four people around you. Just share something you're grateful for, and if you have a lament, you can share that. Uh, You don't have to, and then also maybe share your name. That would be important as well, and so let's just take a minute or two and do that right now. All right, if y'all want to take maybe uh, 30 seconds or so, if someone hasn't shared, give them a chance to, and I'll call us back together in just a moment. All right, if y'all wanna wrap it up and bring your focus and attention back up this way, that would be great. Too much friendship, Ryan says. Too much talking and connecting. I mean, what is church? I mean, we're not supposed to do all this. Just kidding. It's wonderful to hear you all getting to know one another and sharing. We have a lot to do today, so we want to make sure we are being timely and moving right on through. Uh, Those of you online, um, I'll go back and check out what you all shared. We don't have time to highlight them right now because we've got a few things going on. But right now... I'm going to invite my friends, uh, Ryan and Amanda and Ian O'Callahan to the front. So give them a hand as they come up. I know some of you know these folks personally and have met them. Some of you maybe only have interacted with them online uh, because they've been participating online quite a bit over the last couple of years. But Ryan and Amanda are serving in Honduras and they are Folks that we have sent out from Embrace, and they are doing uh, just wonderful work there, become dear friends of mine and many of yours as well, and they've really also invited us into their journey over the last couple of years through online church, and it's been a blessing of the pandemic um, that we have been able to connect um, with people um, that are connected to us all across the world, and so it's been really neat to to stay connected to them over the last couple of years. Um, They're in town uh, this weekend and and next weekend as well, and so today... uh, I invited them to share a little bit about what they're up to in Honduras, give you all a little update, um, because they are still part of our church, even though they are in Honduras. And they also have a wonderful video in just a moment, not yet, uh, that we are going to play in just a second, Jeremy. Um, they will let you know when we're going to do that. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan, and he's going to start them out.
3: Good morning, Embrace. Uh, <laughs> I still got it. Um, yeah like john said uh we or i myself haven't been here for over two years now since before the pandemic but we've been with you guys in spirit and on the internet um almost every sunday through the whole through the whole pandemic and um it just feels really really good to be back um i'll give you a quick update on what we've been doing uh the pandemic has really shut down honduras um very hard. So our ministry was based in a school and tutoring, but the schools have just now gone back last week, actually. Um, so we shifted a lot of what we've been doing ministry-wise to food relief, community community relief, and um, just had the chance to um, uh, make things more relational, which is always great. Um, a lot of you know that we've had a situation fighting f- to get our foster daughter of two years back. Um, she is in an orphanage, two uh, two hours up in the hills, and we're still um, working with lawyers um, to try to get her back. So, if you want to know more about that, I know we've shared a lot with with some of you about that. Uh, it's been it's been very difficult, um, but we've seen God moving in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, we have a short video. Um haven't really we did it we filmed it last week and so this is our first screening. Um uh, it's it's all it's all in it's all in Spanish so hopefully you can read the subtitles. Um if you can't just imagine they're all just saying really great things about us. Is Ryan Amanda are just great and and um and yeah uh, just one thing the, the video focuses on a handful of families and they're all families that we met um, in our first year there uh, through the school. And I think the video highlights what we're trying to do um, in our ministry and that is minister through friendships, right? I think that's how, shout out to Justin. Um I think that's how the most effective ministry is done and these are just a handful of people that we have become just close friends with and through that found a lot of um uh, opportunities for ministry through the years so sorry if I went on a little
2: bit yeah, that's great Ryan that was great
4: Desde que yo los conocí, ellos nos han apoyado mucho. En muchas formas. O sea, en ayuda económica. Ellos, ¿para qué? Y con mis hijos. ellos Cuando a veces mis hijos necesitan algo, ellos se nos dan. Ellos nos apoyan de esa forma. Y cuando tal vez nosotros los enfermamos, ellos siempre están apoyándonos. tanto como económicamente también en sus palabras eh, yo soy constructor soy contratista albañilería dios me ha dado seis hijos yo vivía en vialicia y conocía el teacher dando él era el maestro de física allá en la escuela de vialicia Ella allí las conocí yo bien pues mmm, nos caímos bien de con ellos Porque ellos son unos grandes, unas grandes personas que Dios ha mandado a este país para ayudar a muchas, muchísimas personas han ayudado. A mi familia, para la pandemia, ellos son los que me, me dieron el alimento, me dieron todo. Y por hoy yo les vuelvo a repetir, Dios, Dios tiene grandes planes. Dios tiene, tiene grandes planes para, para estos lugares, de mandar a estas personas para acá, ¿verdad? Antes que no los conocíamos a ellos y mis hijos no salían, Eduardo no, no tenía comunicación solamente ahí arriba, al campo. Y ya cuando conocieron al teacher Brian, ah y les cambió por completo porque ellos siempre les cae un mensaje. Mami, el teacher Brian, este y este. Vámonos, vámonos. Ellos están emocionados. Entonces, sí, la verdad estoy muy agradecida con el Señor porque ellos les han cambiado la vida a mis hijos. Han hecho un grupo de tutorías que le dicen y lo sacan, como le digo, a enseñarles cosas de que ellos no pueden, o sea, en la escuela, verdad, o sea, si no pueden leer bien, ellos le enseñan. Si no pueden sumar, restar, ellos también le enseñan. Eh, y también lo sacan a lo que es al campo, a todo. Eso. A mí me gusta porque en realidad nosotros no tenemos tiempo acá de sacar nuestros niños, pero ellos sí tienen ese tiempo de andar con ellos. Pero nosotros en ellos sí confiamos. Mis hijos no salen acá, mis hijos solo pasan encerrados, pero con ellos sí, porque como le digo, ellos tienen ese cuidado de venirlos a traer. de venirlos a dejar que a veces no tengo ni palabras como agradecer todo lo que han hecho por nosotros con eso se lo digo todas veces yo le digo a ella mire teacher no tengo pero ni palabras ni sé cómo expresarme todo lo que ustedes han hecho por nosotros que muchísimas gracias por el apoyo que nos dan y que diosito los siga bendiciendo para que sigan apoyando pero si Yo le doy las gracias y no tengo ni palabras como agradecer eso que hacen por nosotros. Porque y de igual manera no cualquiera lo hace. Entonces yo le doy gracias a Dios por ver los puestos, estas personas en nuestro camino.
2: is called Caminar Juntos, which means um, walk together, and so when we first started and chose that name, I was really thinking about our relationships with people in Honduras and especially in Vialicia, but now I'm realizing the importance of, of all of you all here in the states that are supporting us financially, and so we'll be around the next two Sundays, hopefully, Um, If you want to connect with us, we have really neat ways that you can partner with us. We have um, students that we support in middle school, um, because it's still not common in Honduras for children to continue their education. We have a soccer program. We support single moms. And so, yeah, please come to us. We have a newsletter. We'll get you signed up for that, and um, hopefully in the next couple weeks, we'll get to know more of you, because there are a lot of new faces, so (laughs) thank you all. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. You know, I was thinking, we've been singing a lot about God's love, and one thing that it says in Scripture many times, particularly in the Psalms, is that the Lord's love endures forever, and I like the idea of a love that endures. You know, we, we need endurance in our lives, right? We go through a lot of hard things, and God's love endures through the ups, the downs, through the catastrophes, through the blessings, through the awfulness that goes on around us God's love is consistent it is strong and it endures and one reason that Ryan and Amanda have been able to endure a lot through the pandemic and having to minister in a totally different way um, is because they've stayed connected to that enduring strong love of God uh, that has sustained them and this community has been able to help uh, provide some of that love for them even at a distance and so thank you all for your continued support of them and their work um, over the last uh, few years have a few uh, announcements I just want to highlight briefly. Um, in your pews, there are connect cards. We love when you all fill those out. Um, you can read through that. All the information you need is on there. There's a spot to put prayer requests also. Um, if you need prayer, you can also email prayer at embraceyourcity.com. It's prayer at embraceyourcity.com. If you'd like to give this morning, then you're invited to do that. Um, you can. Give an offering in the box over here by this door or the one in the back of the sanctuary. You can also give online. There's a QR code on the connect card that can get you there. Um, you can also go to embraceyourcity.com and there's information there on how to give to support our ministry. I encourage you to read through the announcement handout. I'm just going to mention a couple of quick things. The the Haiti lunch that, the, that we're hosting today, Sarah Trapp and the Hackies are partnering together to do this. They both uh, are involved in ministry there in Haiti. They're doing a lunch, a Haitian meal after church, and so um, it doesn't cost anything, and you're free to join if you would like, and that will be directly after church, and they're going to share a little bit about what they're involved in in Haiti, and so it's neat. We're highlighting Honduras, and then after we're highlighting Haiti, um, Justin's going to share a little bit as well about some of what he's been up to in his life, and, and so um, I encourage you all to consider going and then the final big announcement I wanna share is Aldersgate Camp. Um, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, but we have close to 20 students from our community that are gonna be attending camp this summer. And it's gonna be really exciting. Uh, they love camp. Um, it's really a formative and life-changing experience for our kids. Um, Christina's gonna be going with them this year, uh, some of the Common Good staff. Uh, we have a, a, embrace, a couple of Embrace volunteers as well and so that is going to be um, in a few weeks on June 6th and we need sponsorships to help make it financially possible for our students in our community to go. So it costs $150 to sponsor a student for a whole week of camp. It's a great deal. Um, that provides food and all the fun and all the things that they need for the whole week. And so $150, so if you could consider sponsoring a student, that would be wonderful. We still need 14, so we've got um, some ground to make up here and so i encourage you all if you are able to do this please do so um if you'd like to make a sponsorship online let us know um, about that and we can make sure that gets to the right place um 150 if you just want to give partial scholarships that's fine as well if you can't afford the entire amount and then the final thing i just want to to mention is that next week is going to be chris adkins our worship leader he's back here um it's going to be his last Sunday leading worship here in Embrace. Um we announced that a few weeks ago that him and his family are going to be moving uh, to up in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area. And so he can no longer lead worship here. It's a long commute to come back here every Sunday. And so they're going to relocate there and really put down roots up there for the next season of their life. And so we're going to miss him, but we're also excited about this new chapter in his journey. So next week, um, we're going to have a special reception immediately after the service in the cafe. Um, we're going to have cake, um, we'll have coffee and drinks, and just be a time to stop in and just to say uh, some words of encouragement to Chris and say goodbye. And so I encourage you next week, plan on just coming to church a little bit later next Sunday. So if you've got lunch plans, just postpone those so you can have an appetizer of cake before your lunch. And we can do that in the cafe. You can say goodbye to Chris. And show him some love, alright? So that's next Sunday right after the service. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come up now. They're going to lead us in a song. Yes, kids, you know, I'm sorry children. I'm terrible at this. Y'all are just itching to go upstairs and I just keep putting it off and putting it off. If you are a child who is four years old all the way through fifth grade, you are invited to go to the Wonder Room. Uh, for your own time of learning. And so let's give our kids a hand as they come forward. If you are visiting with us and you have a child in that age range, then they are welcome to go. And so you, you can walk up there with them if you want to check it out and help make that transition. But they have a really wonderful time and they'll be finished at the end of the service and you can go pick them up. So I'll turn it over to the worship team and they're going to lead us in a song before we hear our message for today. Well, today I'm really excited because uh, one of my good friends and one of our former staff members, Justin Barringer, is with us this morning and he's going to share a word with us today. Um, got word he was coming into town just a couple weeks ago and I was like, hey, you want to preach? And he's like, of course. So um, I'm really excited to have him. If you may remember, those of you who've joined us just in the past couple of years, there was a time when we were doing online church that Justin sent us a video of a sermon he shared. On joy, um, and I remember that sermon well because shared a, a good bit about some struggles he's had with depression and, and how to find joy even in the midst of that and, and what joy meant to him, and I, we always appreciate Justin's honesty and his vulnerability um, and his willingness to be candid about what he goes through in his own life. You know, oftentimes, those of us who get up and preach, people assume we have our lives all together. And, and that, you know, some, there's something special about us. I warn you, there's not. <laughs> um, we, are, we are normal people, and we go through a lot. And I've always appreciated Justin's willingness to be vulnerable and, and speak to uh, challenging things, uh, being willing to talk about things that often make us uncomfortable. And he's really inspired and challenged me to do the same. I remember early on in my time here at Embrace, Justin was here. And, and right when I started as the pastor, there was there was a lot going on. And... and uh, Basically, when I started as the pastor, most of the staff ended up moving on to new places and found different jobs, and And Justin came to me before I began, and he said, John, I just want you to know I'm here, and I'm committed, and I'm not going anywhere, and I'm here to support you in this transition, and, and he did that. And Justin led our Monday night ministry called The Gathering, um, served as our outreach pastor. He started a diaper ministry here in our church as well, um, preached on a regular basis, but most importantly, he just... Taught us a lot about what it means to develop friendships, and particularly friendships that cross boundaries, friendships with people that often we may not choose to be friends with, and, and how those friendships can truly transform our lives. and And Justin has been that kind of friend for me. Um, I also say one more thing. I, you know, I, Justin, one thing he he really challenged me early on in my ministry to do was to be bold, um, and to to speak um, what God has put on my heart. and And so. Justin is, is one of the, those influential people in my life that really challenged me to embrace uh, that kind of role of being a pastor, to, to be willing to speak out uh, for and against things that, that maybe we need to be aware of in our community and what's going on in our world. And so I'm just so grateful for Justin, his friendship, and his example to me. And so without further ado, let's give Justin a hand as he comes forward.
5: Wow, to be back at Embrace is, I, I, I can't find words for it and I, I make my living working with words. Um, it's just so good to be here. I love that this morning I came in. And within about two minutes, I'd gotten like 10 or 15 hugs. Um, uh, people, you know, started opening up and telling me all, just about some of the some of the struggles they're facing. A few folks told me about some great things going on in their lives. And I'm just reminded, and, and I hope y'all are aware of this. I've been to churches literally all over the world. And there's not... Any congregation that I know of that is like this one. A congregation where we have people with felony convictions, one of whom was one of my child's, my my children's first babysitter. We've got people who have graduate degrees. We have people who are from different races and languages and backgrounds. People who are committed to sharing the good news of Jesus in word and in deed in this community. I also love that this is a church where folks don't feel shy about shouting out, (laughs) about clapping, Sometimes even when I preached back in the day at the gathering, folks would argue with me right in the middle of the sermon, right? I love it. I mean, what kind of church is like that? And I can tell you there are very, very few. And I am just thrilled. It's, it's so great to be here at the same time that Ryan and Amanda are here. I was actually just with them in Honduras um, about three weeks or a month ago or so. Uh, My family and I went down to visit them, and I want to tell you that video doesn't even begin to show you the kind of work that they're doing. And their work fits in so good with what I'm going to talk about today, because they didn't go down with a program, they didn't go down to plant a church, to drill water wells, all those things are wonderful things. They went down simply to build relationships with people. And out of those relationships, some of the most devastatingly sad stories I've ever heard, they've been able to be a part of and to help people who are struggling, people who who are going through things some of us can't even imagine. And they've also gotten to share some incredible joys with people. New births, people getting jobs, all kinds of things in a country where poverty and violence are absolutely rampant. So... I didn't expect to, to talk about Ryan and Amanda at the beginning of this, but I just couldn't help it because their work is just unbelievable. And so, throw lots of money their way is what I'm saying. Um, John said that y'all had been using the lectionary, and so he gave me the lectionary text today. And I looked at it, And I just got really excited because I was like, this is one of those texts that just like preaches itself. So like, you know, some you have to do a lot of digging and figuring out what different words mean and all. And and this one, it was like straightforward. I almost thought about just reading it and going to sit down. But it was a little too short of a, a text to do that. So what I want to do first is I just want to read you the text. And then after that, I would love it if you would join me in prayer before I have a few things to say with my nicely written pink notes um, that were written this morning. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so I want to read you this Scripture. It's in John 13, 31-35. And we're really going to focus in on 34. So in this text... Jesus is talking. When He was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son Himself and glorify Him at once. And then Jesus says to His disciples, My children... I will be with you only a little longer. You will lick, look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love One another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. You see how that's a text that I could have just read and sat down? Love one another as Jesus has loved you. And it's that. It's not a great argument, it's not great programming. It's not, uh, as I saw yesterday when I was driving by the courthouse, somebody standing out there yelling at people in a megaphone um, you know, about abortion and all of this. It's not any of that. It's loving one another. That's it. If we want the world to know the resurrection of Jesus, if we want to offer the world any evidence that that is indeed true, the best place to do that is not to try to find some, some really high quality, uh, clever argument about the empty tomb and the resurrection and all of that. It's to live in the reality of the resurrection of a Jesus who loves us so much that He was willing that He would rather die than live without us. And when we love like that, that is the evidence to the world. That Jesus is who He says He is. If you would, please pray with me. God, You are good. And for that, we are thankful. This morning, I'm thankful to be reminded of that love that You have for us. It's easy As has already been mentioned today, it's easy to look around at so many things in this world. People that I love dearly in Ukraine I know are standing out there with rifles behind little barriers made of cars and sandbags trying to protect their country from invasion. God, people... In this church right here, right now, even this morning I've heard stories of people who are hurting and feeling lonely. And God, my prayer is that Your love would be made known to the world so that it can put an end to violence. It can put an end to poverty. It can put an end to loneliness. I ask all this because you are our friend. Even as the King of kings, you are still the friend of sinners. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. A couple things, if you've not heard me preach, you should know. Um, keeping a timeline is not really what I'm good at. I've got got my timer going. It's here. Um, And then the other thing you should know is that um, sometimes I I, I might get into it just a little bit too much. (laughs) Some of these things I can't help but get excited about or get sad about or whatever it might be. So last night, um, I'm staying at a friend of mine's house, uh, who who she is a she's a professor um, at Asbury Seminary, a professor of ethics there, and we've known each other for a long time. We recently published a book together, and and we were talking, and we had a great time. And yesterday, I got to hang out um, with with Ryan and Amanda and some other friends. And yet, last night, I went to bed, and I had a dream, and in this dream. What kept happening is, I had all these people around me. All these people who were supposed to be my friends, people from all different parts of my life. And what kept happening in the dream, is they kept leaving me out. And so I remember the one part of the dream, and this is probably about the point I woke up, but I remember that there was a pie. And I wanted a slice of the pie. But as whoever was cutting the pie cut it, they gave one to everyone except me. And I felt so left out, and I felt so lonely, and I was thankful to wake up in a friend's house and know that that's not actually my reality. But a lot of us, that is our reality, where we are lonely where we do feel left out, where we just simply want somebody to say, hey, you know what? I care about you. I care about you enough that I want to get to know you. I care about you enough I want to hear your story. And I care about you enough that I want to be around you. And in this text... I think it points us to something that we often forget and I might have even said this here before. It's one thing to say that Jesus loves us, but love has so many of these different connotations in our society, right? I love my wife, I love ice cream, and I love my dog are three very different statements. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I only loved my wife like I love ice cream, we wouldn't have a marriage. (laughs) Right? And if I loved ice cream like I love my wife, that would just be plain weird. (laughs) So I want to tell you this morning, and I hope you hear this, Jesus likes you. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants to have you around. You know, we talk about eternity with Jesus. And think about eternity. Sometimes there's some people we can be around where five minutes feels like an eternity, right? But Jesus wants us for eternity, which means that He must like us. He wants us to be with Him. So, this command, in some way, he says it's a new command, but part of it is not new. Love one another is a, is, is a very common idea in, in, in uh, the Jewish faith. It's not uncommon in various other religious faiths. I mean, it's not uncommon of just people of goodwill to say love one another. But what Jesus changes, the new command, is this. As I have loved you. And so this brings us to where we have to ask the question. How has Jesus loved us? And there are a number of answers throughout the Gospel of John. If if you were to read the Gospel of John, it's often called, or John's writings in general, are often referred to in the context of being sort of the love gospel you know, the most famous of all Christian verses, you know, everyone knows. For God so loved the world, right? And this uh, discourse, uh, 13 through the end of 16 here in John, um, love comes up over and over and over again. So we have to ask how it is that Jesus loves us. And I want to point out just a couple things. We... As I mentioned, there's a ton in John, so I could point out a bunch. just, Just a couple things. In John 1, we're told that Jesus comes to earth and what He does, the God of the universe puts on a tent of human flesh. The word there is something like tabernacle. So in a verb sense, He tabernacled amongst us. If you'll remember what the tabernacle was, it was a tent where God's presence was. So Jesus loved us enough that He put on a tent of human flesh to go through all of these things that we go through. Jesus had great joys with friends sharing meals. Jesus had, had I'm sure, laughter. There are some jokes that sometimes we miss in the New Testament because 2,000 years of culture, the other side of the world. Jesus had to have laughed with folks. But Jesus also felt despair. Jesus also felt grief. Jesus, when He was in the garden, was so um, anxious and depressed that He sweat blood. That's an actual medical condition. People can get so stressed that the capillaries in their forehead bust and they sweat blood. So Jesus has shown us all throughout just this Gospel alone that He loves us. And the other way that He showed these disciples and He shows us is that He has called us out by name. He said, Justin, I want you. He said, Rachel, I want you. He said, I'm trying to think who else, Miss Sonda, I want you. He said to all of us, I want you, and he called us out by name. So if anything, this gospel in this text really just emphasizes Jesus' heart, and Jesus' heart is love. And because I mentioned that love is one of these words that can mean so many things, I find it helpful to go back and look at um, the Greek language that would have been common at Jesus' time in which most of the New Testament was written. And there's, there's four words, but there's three that are really the common ones that they would use for love. So they had eros, that would be sort of romantic, passionate love. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that one because it's not actually here in the biblical text. But it gives us an idea. We're told in a lot of places about God's passionate love for us. We're called. (laughs) For all the guys in the room, we're a wife. (laughs) Jesus has that passionate love for us. And then there's agape. And we're going to Stay here with agape for just a second. Agape is essentially, it's usually kind of explained as unconditional love. But it's also a love that is extended to all people. I don't extend eros to all people. I hope you don't either, especially if you're married. But agape is intended to be love for all people. One of the difficulties with that then, though, is that that love can often be theoretical. Because how do I love the people of Ukraine that I might never meet? How do I love the single parent right here, maybe... Just up the road in Georgetown, that I know, you know, there's there's folks like that all over this city in this area that are struggling. How do I love them when I don't know them, when I've never met them? What does it mean to love them? What does it even mean to love people in our own neighborhoods? I can't get to know every single person in my neighborhood, right? I've met where I live now, I've met most of my neighbors and, and we share some meals together. And we, we, But if I were to go through my whole neighborhood, you're looking at thousands of people, right? I can't even love all of the people of my neighborhood in a concrete way. But I want to propose two things to you about agape. First comes from a, a famous Christian philosopher a public intellectual named Cornell West and Cornell West says that justice is what love looks like in public. So that's one way we can extend love to the people we don't know is by working towards justice. Where are the injustices in our community? Where is it that people are are not being paid an adequate wage? for the work that they do. Working 40 plus hours a week and still not being able to pay the bills is unjust. So we can work towards policies. We can work towards um, uh, local community solutions. There's all kinds of things we can do to work for justice in the world, which is a way of extending that agape in ways that move beyond the theoretical into the practical. And I agree with Cornell West, but I also want to add something to this. That loving the people that are in our circle is a witness to a hurting and lonely world. That we are a community of agape. That we love one another. And that is something that the world sees and they say, hey, I can see the way that those folks care about one another. I think I might want to be part of that. Years ago, um, John Epley and I, John's been one of my mentors from, from the time I was about 16. And frankly, had he not been in my life, there is a very good chance that I would be incarcerated or dead um, I was making a lot of really poor decisions, and, and, and John stepped in to help me. But I remember we were working at this church together, Green Street Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and we had um, some youth that were coming, and I was giving a ride to one of the youth one day, and, and he, this particular youth, was, was not a Christian. And I, and I said, you know, you, you haven't decided you know, the, to follow Jesus to make that commitment, but you're here every week. Why do you keep coming back? And his answer was simple and it was profound. I I love how kids and teenagers can do this. And he just simply said, I know y'all love me. I know y'all love me, so I keep coming back. I don't know. You know, we've, we've, we've gone different ways. I don't know if he has decided to become a Christian, but what a testimony to ask somebody, why do you keep coming back? Not because I think the Bible studies are great. Not because the preaching is wonderful. Not because the youth group has fun activities. But because I know y'all love me. So what Jesus is doing here, Jesus' words are about evangelism. Jesus is saying here that we need to live evangelistically in the way that we live evangelistically is by loving the people that we already know. Of course, we're given a warning in Matthew that there can be a temptation here because it could become only loving the people that are in our circle. And that's not living evangelistically. But we love the ones we know as a witness to folks to say, hey, we care for one another and you can come and be a part of that. A lot of us, myself included, I don't consider myself to have a gift for evangelism in the way that some people do who just, man, they can just start talking about Jesus to folks and everybody's like, wow, that's awesome, right? I want more of that. But what we can all do is love the people that are in this room well. Love each other well when you go out I guess today, you know, we're eating lunch here. But when you go out to lunch after church and tip your server well, if you can't tip a server, you probably can't afford to go out to eat. Um, so tip your servers well, but, but love one another. And, and when people see that, people get curious. People ask questions. This has been my experience over and over and over again. So if we want to evangelize, if we want to bring people to the kingdom, then we love one another because who wants to be a part of a church group or a community where people are apathetic, where people are malicious, where people don't want to be with one another? I've been to some churches like that and maybe they do show up because there is great preaching or there's a great show, or whatever their reasons are, but that church community is not showing that love to one another. Nobody wants to be a part of that, but people want to be a part of a community of care. And so here we move into um, the idea of another Greek word for love, and I wasn't, you know, initially going to talk about this, but The text just lent itself to this, and so we're going to talk about friendship. Um, We are to love one another as friends. And so we see just a little bit later in this discourse, after Jesus says, the command that I give you is to love one another as I have loved you, as we're looking at an answer for that question of how is it that Jesus has loved us, Jesus gives His answer, really, in John 15, just a couple chapters later. He says, there's no greater love that somebody can have than that they would lay down their life for their friends. So if we want to live a love that shows the world the truth of Jesus' resurrection, then we need to be willing to put our lives on the line for our friends. And when we put our lives on the line for our friends in and, and whatever way that might be, you know, there's been times where we didn't have a running car and people loaned us a car, you know, and if you've ridden with me, you probably wouldn't want to loan me your car. Um, but people did that. There was times, actually, when I worked at Embrace that my family wasn't bringing in enough money that we were waiting in food lines, Around town, in order for us to be able to, to meet our families' needs. And, and some of the worst experiences I've ever had were in those lines. I won't mention the church's name, but there's a church about a mile that way that um, gives out food. And we went in, and here I am. At that point, you know, I'd earned a master's degree, I'm articulate, I looked like the people who were on the other side. Uh, I tried to talk with them and they were just so cold and I felt like trash and I kept thinking if they're treating me like this somebody who looks like them somebody who can you know, use the kind of vocabulary that perhaps they're using all of these kinds of things how must that experience be for folks who don't look like them for folks who maybe English is not their first language. If I'm leaving there feeling like trash, how much must those folks also feel that? So what Jesus does here when He says this, He actually breaks with Jewish tradition. The Jewish tradition did not um, prioritize dying for one's friends as an act of of this great love. It actually was more common in the Greco-Roman tradition. So you'd find something like from Aristotle, more than you would from the Jewish tradition. So he breaks with the tradition here. And he says, if you want to know what love is, look at what friendship is. And friendship is being willing to put your your life, your stuff, your time, your presence, it's being willing to put all of that on the line." so that someone else can know that they are loved. So thus, as again I said, living love as evangelism means that we have to grow our circle of friendship. Evangelism is quite simply this. It is friends of Jesus inviting other people to be friends of Jesus. And doing that with other friends of Jesus. That's it. That's evangelism is building friendships as we build friendships in this community and those friendships expand out into a world that's lonely and hurting and needs friends. So in order to show the world God's expansive, unbelievable, enduring love, the love that endures forever, then we need to simply love our friends well. Somebody has said before, how can people love a God that they can't see when they're not loved by the church that they can see? I find that terribly compelling. there's no question for any of us now that the world is lonely. Some of us may have never experienced deep loneliness until the last couple years. But I don't know that I've met a person yet who went through COVID and didn't have times of loneliness. Even people who are married and have friends and maybe kids, all of us i think have felt that loneliness and so it's so so, so uh, because it's so close to us now because this is something that we can all collectively understand this loneliness we can know how much of an issue it is see here's the thing about being friends in the church is that we should declare that no one should be alone in their poverty, in their sickness, including mental illness. No one should be alone facing abuse, sadness, hurt. No one should be alone making a big paycheck (laughs) because mammon is powerful. And I know that we need one another To help us make sure that we live with that money rightfully. Not that we're stewards of it. That's a whole other sermon. But just simply recognizing that that money is not ours. Over and over and over again in the church's history, they say things like, if you have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor. So that big paycheck that some folks might be making, Think about it like this. What if some of that money is actually stolen from the poor? What if it's actually rightfully theirs in the first place? But we can't be alone in that. I really am going to get to a close here in a second. But I wanted to say just a little bit more about this idea of loneliness, Mother Teresa, in in a variety of ways, um, has talked had talked about this or wrote about this, and and so I kind of put an amalgamation together of some of of some of her thoughts, and basically she comes down it on this poverty the poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. The poverty, the greatest poverty is loneliness. C.S. Lewis's depiction of hell in his, his, um, his um, famous book that is so famous I can't remember the title of it right now. But his depiction of hell is people that all live a million miles apart from each other. I was like, that seems like a picture of hell where we never have the opportunity to interact with other people, where we feel lonely, where we're just stuck with our stuff. And something I want to point out about loneliness is that loneliness actually existed before sin. If you'll remember the Genesis story, right? God takes the dirt and creates this person and then says, This person is lonely and needs someone else to be with them. And so then God creates a person, a mate, a friend to help assuage that loneliness. But that loneliness continues to ravage our society today. And even though I am not here at Embrace regularly. I still consider myself to be a part of this family, so I make this declaration on behalf of Embrace. At Embrace, we declare that no one will stand alone. And we declare that no one will be lonely. To love Jesus is to follow His lead And we're also told in this discourse later, He says that He will not leave us as orphans. So even Jesus is saying, even though I'm going on, I'm not going to let you be alone and be lonely. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, your counselor, your comforter, all of the kinds of things that lonely people need. And if the church is to be anything, it's to be a place where people are working to eradicate loneliness By loving one another as Jesus did. We're supposed to simply recognize the folks that are lonely and hurting. And we're to, like Jesus, who took on that tent of flesh, we're to take on a tent of presence in people's lives to invite them in, to welcome them, to sacrifice on other people's behalf. No one, absolutely no one, from the cutest baby Ian that y'all saw up here is certainly one of those, um, to the, the most hardened criminal from the people that everyone likes to the folks we find most irritating, the poor and even the rich, no one should stand alone if we are loving like Jesus. One more quick word on loneliness. We know what loneliness feels like in our heads. But there's been a great deal of research that says that loneliness causes weight gain, insomnia, heart problems, weakened immune system, and a whole variety of other issues. So if you see somebody and maybe you notice that they're a little different, maybe I wouldn't go to them and say, hey, you put on some weight. But if you're noticing things like this, if you're noticing a change in somebody like that, then it's a good idea to get with them and talk to them and just say, how are things going in your life? Is everything okay? Do you need something? Can I be here for you? See, the reality is, and this is not an exaggeration, people are literally And I don't use literally in that way that people use it now where it doesn't actually mean literally. People are literally dying of loneliness. And that is a travesty when we've got a church that is supposed to make sure that we love like Jesus so that no one feels lonely. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus has this interaction with Peter where these words agape and philia come up and I've heard that text preached on a number of times and I've preached on it and I'm convinced that all the sermons I heard on it and the sermons that I preached on it prior were wrong. And that's because in that, those sermons they always tried to lift agape up and say that's what it's about. That philia is, is this lesser... Thing. And in fact, what I think is happening in this text, when Jesus gives Peter this chance to, to rejoin the fold, Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you love me like you would love any other person? And Peter's response is, no, Jesus, I love you like a friend. You are my friend. And Jesus asked him again, do you love me like you just love everyone else? And Peter said, no, I love you like my friend. And the third time, Peter's hurt. Because he wants Jesus to know, Jesus, you are my friend. And then Jesus says to him, well, if that's the case, then go feed my sheep. And I think what he's saying to him there is, if you're my friend, then go befriend the people that I have invited through the crucifixion and resurrection to be a part of the friendship community of God. Agape is an invitation, but philia is a witness. Agape is what we do to get the ball rolling, but friendship is the place that we find hope and care and love and people to sit with us when we're ugly crying because something terrible has happened in our lives. So we're about to move into communion here, and we're about to sing. And the song that Christina is going to come sing, I hope you can listen closely to the words, because it's all about this, this invitation to be part of a community of friends. But as we come to the table, or in this case, as we come to our tiny little cups of bread-like substance and I think grape juice, this table is an invitation to you if you are lonely. Come. If you are lonely, there is a space for you at the table. But it's also an invitation for those of us who've realized that we have not loved lonely people well. It's an invitation to remind us that Jesus has loved us well. And so we love as Jesus. We seek out folks who are lonely and we are hurting and we share with them a meal at the table. In my experience, it's pretty difficult to be lonely when you're sharing a meal with friends. And that's what this is. This is a meal with our best friend and all of the other friends that we share together because of our friendship with Jesus Christ. So as we take communion this morning, I encourage you to go ahead and if you can get the little top of the cup open and you take out the bread. And we're going to take this together because the idea of taking this together is to remind us that we're not alone. And each of these, I love this, each of these, this is not a piece of Jesus. This is Jesus. And I love that because the one that John's holding is Jesus. The one that you're holding is Jesus. Jesus doesn't give us a piece of himself. Jesus gives him gives us His whole self. And if you want to know how to help people not be lonely, then give them yourself. Let us take the bread of the body of Christ together. And then we turn, of course, to this juice. One of the ways that we talk about is it's the blood of the new covenant a significant part of that new covenant is God's reminder to us that God will never leave us alone. We can go to the heights, the depths. We can go all the way out to some middle of the nowhere place like Hazard. We can even go to Texas. And we can't outrun God's love. And even the angels and the demons cannot separate us from that love. So as you take in the blood of Christ today, let it fill you with the love of knowing that you're not alone. And let it fill you with the chance, the reminder to look out for the folks in our lives who need our love. Let's drink the body of blood of Christ together. I turn it over to the band to sing this song called Draw the Circle Wide, Draw it Wider Still. Amen. It's probably a little unusual that for a benediction, I'm going to hand out a comic. But I wanted this, rather than putting it on a slide, I wanted to give you this comic, and you'll see it, and you'll love it. if you don't love it, then let's talk. Um, I'll convince you to love it. Um, But this circle, we can draw the circle wide. And we can draw it wider still because at its center is Jesus. So no matter how big the circle gets, no matter who the circle includes, the circle will always hold because Jesus is at its center. So we can risk the edges being turbulent, dangerous, needy, desperate, whatever it might be, because we know that Jesus will hold the circle together. And in 1 Peter, we even read that Jesus drew the circle in hell. So the benediction is this. Go to the places where the circle has not yet been drawn and draw it together. Trusting that whatever the circle circumference, it will never be too big for Jesus to handle. I'd love to hand you this comic after church, so we'll see if we can pass some of these around. But otherwise, blessings and go in peace.